Well, good morning. We are uh, entering into a new series entitled Shine. And, and the uh, idea behind this series is thinking about ways that we can represent exactly what uh, Jesus called us to be. In Matthew 5, 16, it says, For let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. That is my wife's favorite verse, so I throw it in now and then just to make her happy. But that is a powerful verse and a powerful picture of who we're supposed to be. That our life should be something that compels and uh, moves Uh, people to uh, change and to grow and to see something different in their life. And to, to hear a story like that video we just saw of someone who interceded, someone who stepped in and, you know, changed somebody else's life is incredible and it's powerful. And that's what uh, should be something that we compels us and motivates us. Because the Bible tells us that this is what we are to be in this world. And so to change somebody's life through prayer, through encouragement, through your own life, through your own sharing, through these things, is, is one of the most powerful things that you can ever be a part of. And if you can't think of maybe a story in time where somebody in your life... You, you had a dramatic impact on, you know, this is what we're going to talk about over the next several weeks. And I think sometimes we have the tendency to kind of uh, get into a place where we hide that light, where we kind of like, um, we, we kind of set it aside. And, it, you know, if you think about kind of like a dimmer switch, we just kind of tone it down a bit because we don't want to come across as abrasive or sometimes the pictures in our head that we have is like we'll, we'll turn into some kind of like obnoxious Christian or something like that. But that's not the picture at all. And the scripture talks about being a shining light in dark places, being a person of hope that can po- point other people to hope. And so that's exactly what we're talking about. So we want to take the dimmer switch off and we want to like shine bright and be the people that God called us to be. You know, I think there's lots of reasons that, that we kind of shy away from this idea of, you know, kind of shining bright or this picture. And I think one of them is fear. You know, I have a fear that I will be portrayed or thought of as like a door-to-door Jesus salesman. Okay? Anybody ever like, like I don't want to be that. Somebody knocks on your door in the middle of the day and you're like... Oh, already the anger, like, you know, kind of, kind of starts to build up. I don't want to be sold anything, you know, and, and, and there's this picture sometimes that there, there are people that come across in a way where it's like, I am here to sell Jesus, almost a used car salesman for Jesus. And I have a fear of that, that I don't want to be that person. And so sometimes I just, I dim it down a little bit. And I say, you know what, I, uh, I don't want to be too bright. I have these pictures in my head of what that might look like. But that's not what we're talking about. This is not the Jesus, or this is not the, the person that I think Jesus is calling us to. This is not the picture that Jesus is painting. This person right here, watch this video. 
familiar with them. You don't combine things. Don't, you know, cave into the salesman's pressure. Got it. Okay. Hello, folks. Welcome to the Kurt Jones Autoplex. I am Kurt Jones. I reckon you're interested in the vehicle. Let's pray. <laughs> oh, Jesus, thank you for bringing these customers to Kurt Jones. Where the Lord lifts you up and Kurt lowers the price. <laughs> Allow them to haggle and negotiate. Make sure they get a fair price. But also see that the dealership makes a healthy profit. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Amen. 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 I'm Jeff. This is my wife, Abby. We're, we're looking for a four-door, like a sedan, maybe. We don't really know, but we, we know we're not ready to buy it. Okay. Dear Jesus. <laughs> please help Jeffrey and Abigail find a four-door sedan with power windows. We, we just look at sunroof. We don't need that. And a 60 CD changer that comes standing in the Buick La Monte. <laughs> says Buick in the Bible? Let me tell you something. God made the Buick and the devil made the import. <laughs> so that's not the picture that we are pursuing. And maybe if you have that in your head, I understand where you would shy away from saying, you know what? I, that's not the kind of person that I would want to be. But Jesus paints a completely different picture. Um, and I think sometimes... Another thing that causes us to kind of put the dimmer switch on the light that God gave us is maybe, maybe there's over a period of time we feel like, you know, I got my own problems. There's lots going on in the world. I can't make an impact on somebody else. And it's too overwhelming. It's too much. I got too much stuff going on. So, you know what? I got to worry about my own problems. So sometimes it's fear. Sometimes it's, you know, just like, maybe I don't have time for this. But Jesus calls us to be the light of the world. And so we want to look at that over the, over the next couple of weeks and look at how we can make our life shine, make an impact, make a difference. Um, and one of those ways that I want to talk to you about specifically today is to make a tangible impact and let our light shine in a place that we can all start is through prayer. And so I want to look at Luke chapter 19, 41 through 44 to kind of set the stage for um, what we're talking about. But this is an interesting po portion of scripture where Jesus is coming into the last week of his life. He just uh, had the moment where it was the Palm Sunday moment where everybody was celebrating his life. And he comes into Jerusalem to spend the last week of his life here on earth in Jerusalem before he'd go to the cross and die. And it says this as he enters into the city. It says, as he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, if you, even you, had known on this day what would bring you peace. But now it is hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you 
and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. So here's what Jesus, this is an interesting little encounter. And it's almost like you can picture Jesus kind of walking in and being overwhelmed with emotions as he looks and he sees and he knows kind of like the whole scope of the city that he's looking at. Some of the future events that will befall uh, Jerusalem, and I'm not going to get into that, but... He's just, he's just overwhelmed with the feeling of looking out at all the people and thinking, they're lost. They desperately need, they need something. They need me. They need to listen to my words. And that's, that, that's the picture and that's the emotion that, that Jesus conveys to us that I think all of us at some point need to grasp. Is the picture... Of why our light needs to shine bright is there are people in this world desperately lost. There's people in our neighborhoods desperately lost. There are people who are struggling and hanging on and just are looking for something. They're desperate. And, and if we had the same kind of feel and emotion as we like kind of roll into our city, what a different attitude we would have. You know, I think of coming down. This is my favorite shot of the Denver metro area. Coming down the mountains at night and turning the corner right over a kind of lookout mountain, Genesee, and you can see all the lights of the city of Denver and looking over it. I mean, think about that picture, having that picture and just weeping and saying, God, all the people who are desperate for someone, God, help them. And, and, and Jesus is like, if only, if only they would listen. And recognize, and recognize what, what I'm calling to, if only. But this is, and this is, so this is the heart of Jesus. And it's interesting, we're kind of getting a little glimpse into uh, how Jesus prayed and thought. And I think he's kind of, I, I would view this as a prayer. As Jesus is kind of entering the city, he's kind of praying out loud to himself, God, help him. God, why? And weeping and being overcome with emotion. Because the reality is, I don't know about you, but there's been moments in time where I felt completely and utterly lost. Where I desperately needed somebody to intercede and be there on my behalf. And I thank God for the close family members in my life that were there for me. I thank God for my spouse who walked there with me. Where it felt like, man, I don't know what to do next. And I can't even imagine, because I've had the fortunate opportunity to kind of live my life with faith. I can't even imagine people walking and trying to navigate life with, without even any kind of picture that there's a God out there that loves them. And so this is a big deal. And this picture and this emotion should be something that is close to us too. Because we can probably look back at times in our life where we too desperately needed someone to be there. And that's how Jesus kind of walks in to the, to the nation of Israel or to the, to the city of Jerusalem in this moment. And so it's all throughout the scripture we have these pictures that are, that are 
a little bit confusing to me. It's kind of one of those things that twists your mind that you don't quite understand. But we see Jesus constantly over and over praying and praying for people. You know, it says even even regularly in Luke uh, 516 and then in many other places in the in the New Testament says Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed he all often withdrew from the crowds and went and prayed it's interesting Jesus's time on earth was very short and he had a very specific mission God on earth to proclaim God's word to the people and to save us from our sins and he took time to leave groups of people and pray. That is pretty fascinating, isn't it? That he was willing to prioritize that. That he knew that there was moments that he needed to regroup himself. That if it, you know, as he made his like priority list, there was times he left the crowds and went off and prayed. The action of prayer is something that is tangible, real, and foundational in us being people that shine brightly. And this is what Jesus did. And he interceded for people, and we're fortunate enough, we'll read in a little bit, some of the actual prayers that he prayed sometimes when he withdrew. And we have some of those written down in Scripture by some of his disciples that were there witnessing his prayers. But, you know, I, I, I want to kind of like us to think about prayers in a couple of different ways. Um, You know, if we're going to shine bright and if we want to live a life that says, you know, I'm making an impact and I'm engaging other people, I think we need, prayer is the beginning. Uh, But there's a couple of different ways that I want to challenge you and I want you to think about praying. Jesus had these impromptu prayers, the ones that kind of like in those moments in time, in that second, the emotion overwhelmed him and he prayed. And that's kind of the picture we get as he walks in, in Luke chapter 19. He walks in and sees the city of of Jerusalem. He has kind of this impromptu moment of prayer for the people and for these things. You know, and and I think that this this is an important thing that should be a part of our regular life. As we're navigating things and as we're walking along, prayer kind of resets our focus and puts us back in a place where, where, where we have the right attitude in that moment in time. And it's calling on God's help in that moment in time. If you want to think about some things that you can do, and Jesus gives very practical advice for us, is that when something's bothering you, when there's a moment in time that is challenging That is a moment to say one of these kind of impromptu little prayers under your breath. Kind of one of these collect myself, gather myself, and be ready for this moment prayers. The Bible tells us, if you're a burden, cast your cares upon God because God is there for you. If there's a moment that is overwhelming, that's a moment in time to pause and take a second and say, God help me in this moment in time. But, you know, there's even other things that that the scripture tells us. It says, um, come to me who are burdened. I will give you rest. So if there's a worry or concern, give it to God. If there's like life is overwhelming, give it to God and take that moment and pray. But it also relates to how we uh, relate to one another. Because quite often, some of the burdens that we face and the difficulties we face is because of our interactions with other people. Isn't that true? Sometimes even the people closest to us. 
And sometimes what happens to us is instead of having kind of the attitude that Jesus did, that is overwhelmed with grief by people who are lost and are like, like doing all kinds of things that are destructive in their life, instead of us seeing other people in their pain and acting out, we get, we get mad at them. We get angry. We get irritated. We get frustrated. Anybody else? Right? When we see people do things that seem irrational or mean-spirited or grumpy or, you know, whatever it may be, it gets frustrating. And it makes us, like, in some ways, even, like, I don't get to a point where we're like, I'm not very optimistic about humanity at all. If it continues, and that's kind of the attitude that continues over and over and over in our life, we can get to the point where just we're sour with every interaction we have. You know, I remember when I, I spent a couple of years as the chaplain for the Aurora Police Department. And, you know, you hear all these stories about police officers and there's both sides and there's bad actors. And, of course, police officers have a difficult, all these things. But I saw it firsthand. And the thing that was very striking to me, hanging out with police officers, is almost all of them, almost without exception, except for, you know, a couple of very unique people, always had a very negative outlook on humanity. And it was every interaction they had with people were, were typically criminals that they assumed were criminals and were lying to them and trying to get away. And it was a negative interaction. And it seemed like every time you talk to a police officer, I, I talked to these police officers, they had a negative reaction towards me too because that was all of their interactions. They'd gotten to a point where every person they saw was, was hopeless criminal and they didn't want, they, they, they were sour. And it's possible to get there. It's possible to be in a place where every person that rubs us the wrong way, all, we just get irritated, mad, and more and more critical and sour about like just humanity as a whole. But Jesus instead does something that I think is really important for us and foundational for us being people that really have our light that shines bright. Is he wept? He wept and had incredible empathy when he saw people that were lost. When he saw people that were like completely entrenched in sin, he wept. And he was like empathetic. And he said a prayer for them. And, and this is a very practical, very specific advice that Jesus gives us, actually. is He says, when Pray for those who mistreat you. Or another translation is pray for those who persecute you. So he did it. We see the picture of him doing it. But then he commands us that this is how you handle people who are irritating. You pray for them. This is how you handle it when someone abuses and mistreats you. You pray for them. And so there's a pause moment right there where Jesus has the impromptu prayer and he looks at the people that are lost and he says, God, help them. And it's a question that like I just wanted to kind of hang out there for you a little bit. And I want you to ponder throughout the week is how would your attitude and your outlook on people change instead of immediately getting frustrated, mad or responding? 
you know, like whatever, when they do something that is harmful to you or others, if you stopped and prayed for them instead? How would that change your attitude towards others? A coworker who's short with you, not short literally, who is, who, who's, you know, says something that's kind of like, you know, a little grumpy or whatever like that and say, God, I pray for them. They might, they might be having a bad day right now. Somebody in our family who lashes out at us and say, God, help me. Help, help, me, help me respond correctly in this situation instead of lashing out back. Somebody who cuts us off when we're driving. God, be with them. They're obviously in a hurry. <laughs> um, you know, like, but really, this is what Jesus says is a very, very practical way to deal with other people. Very practical way, and it's, it's so profound on how it resets everything. And it resets really our outlook on everyone. And if you think about it big picture, as you're looking at the world and there's stories that are awful, and you're looking at horrible things that people do, and you can just say, God, help us. God, help them. They are lost. They're lost. God, help them. And that's how Jesus responds. He has these moments in time where he just consistently has these kind of impromptu prayers to collect himself and gather himself. And if Jesus does this and Jesus commands us to do it, all the more, how how much do we need to do this as we respond to one another? Because if you get to a place where everyone around you, you're irritated by, And they're just horrible. And that's how you view the world and others. You will not shine brightly. You will not be somebody that anyone wants to be around. And you will not be somebody who's representing Christ. You'll be somebody that people don't want to be around. So Jesus gives us this very practical, very specific um, uh, command on how we should, you know, just kind of approach our daily life. As we're walking along, as we're interacting with people, taking a moment, pause, and say, God help. And, 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 and moving on from there. And you, what, what a difference that would make in, in how we respond to things. I was told as a kid, count to ten. And then if you're still angry, um, you know, like when, when you're mad... Count to 10 or something like that. Well, that was average advice, but Jesus' advice is much better. Pray. Pray for those people. It changes your outlook on others. It's really hard to pray mean words to other people unless your name is David. Um, never mind. Uh, read the Psalms. He, said, he, he prays some mean words towards uh, his enemies. But it's really, I have found, it's pretty hard to pray like mean things towards others, I begin to stop and I begin to say, God, help them. Instead of, God, what a horrible person that, per- that other person is. It changes our perspective when we put ourselves through God's eyes and we put ourselves in that perspective. So, those impromptu prayers. But then there's another picture that I want to talk about a little bit as well. That there's some disciplined prayers. That the the Bible gives us. And what I mean by this is kind of like a regular time that is set aside that is focused time of prayer. 
I think that, the, that we should always have like kind of these moments where we're walking along and we're praying and we're aware and we reset ourselves and we just kind of like are ready to move on. But there's also something incredibly powerful about having a time set aside where you pray. Just like the scripture says in, in Luke, Jesus went away and specifically put time into his day and his schedule to pray. Focus time of prayer. Um, one of these encounters is, is incredibly fascinating. And it, like, it, it really is amazing. And I really encourage you to go back and read the entire chapter of John 17. Because we get this insight only in the book of John. Because John was in the inner circle. And he was like there listening to Jesus' prayers. And I can just imagine him sitting there writing down Jesus' prayers. Or remembering Jesus' prayers. Um, other times in the gospel it says Jesus went off and prayed. In the book of John, it gives a lengthy prayer that actually records what Jesus prayed. And it's amazing. And the thing about it that's, that's even um, more amazing is that Jesus was praying for you and me. That's pretty, that's pretty amazing, right? Jesus was praying for us. It says he was praying for the church, the people that would follow him. So Jesus went away, and this is part of the prayer time that he had when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane right before he was arrested and would be, uh, you know, uh, put on the cross. Is in John 17, verse 20. I'm not going to read the whole chapter, but in verse 20 it says this. My prayer is not for them alone, because he was praying specifically for his disciples. But he's, he says, this is a bigger prayer, not just for the disciples. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. So he's saying you. He's praying for you. In this passage, Jesus is praying for you. If you're someone that has said, I believe in Jesus and I'm following Jesus as a result of the message that was, has been proclaimed for 2,000 years, this is Jesus' prayer for you. Pretty amazing stuff, right? That all of them may be one. Father, just as, you, uh, just as you are in me and I am in you. So he's saying, I hope they get along. I hope they're united. I hope they don't fight about silly, silly little things. God help us, right? Boy, do we need that prayer. Okay? Um, then it says this. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. He's praying for people. He says, I pray that they're united. And I pray that they, through their life, through what they're doing, that they get how much I love them. That the world would see how much the God of the universe loves them because of how they act. That's what he's saying. May, they, may the world believe. 22. I have given them glory that you gave me. That they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me. So that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me. And have loved them even as you have loved me. Just stop for a minute. I mean, 
This is, these are profound words. This is a totally different picture than maybe we have as we're talking about kind of like our light shining, representing Christ, telling other people about Christ. That it, it's, the picture that Jesus is saying is, I pray that it's something that they're united, that they follow me, that they live a compelling life that is just that is so transforming that other people would see it and they would know that I love them. That God, God, I love all, God, Jesus is just, just pouring out over this prayer saying, I, I love all these people, help them to know through my followers that I love them. That's what it is. That's what it's all about. The God of the universe loves people. And he continues, Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am, to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. Do you see this? He says it three times, and he's praying it over and over, and he's saying it over and over. This is the theme of what he's saying. Praying about us, for us, is he's saying, God, please help my followers to be united and help them to show the world how much I love them. Help them show the world how much I love them. Help them know me. Help them know who I am. Help them know that they're not alone. Help them know that they're not, they don't have to be lost. Help them know this. And you can feel the emotion of this, just like the emotion when he entered in Jerusalem and saw all the, all the people and thought about all the people who are lost and were in need of God. And he's saying, if they only know what the answer would be for their life, is they need to know the savior of the world, they need to know me, they need to know the hope that they can have. That this world is mine, and I love them. And he's just praying this over and over and over to depict and encourage us that we would be people that represent God and, and proclaim to the world the love of God that you too can be saved. What a, wow. Just kind of blows me away. That whole chapter. Read, read the whole chapter. Take some time to really think about that. But that's Jesus' prayer for you and me. The start of it and the challenge, and we'll go into other things in coming weeks, but the start of it is I want to challenge you, encourage you to say, I will be interceding for other people. And we do intercede. It's something that comes very natural to people of, like, that have had faith for years and years and people who are even new to faith or exploring faith. Prayer can come pretty naturally in this regard. We pray a lot for people's physical health, right? Like we pray, like we have family members and relatives and things like that that are ill. And that's painful. And it's hard and we don't want people to suffer physically. And that's something that is just seems naturally easy to do. God help them, because this is beyond my control. I pray for their physical well-being. I pray for their safety. I pray for that. And that's typically 
The things that we tend to gravitate towards first, we pray for those physical things. But you see, Jesus takes it to another level that is something that I want to challenge you to focus your prayers on for, for, uh, right now and this week. Is Jesus is praying for the spiritual health and well-being of people. Jesus, that's what he's praying for. Of course, Jesus cares about people's physical well-being. He healed people. But it was always pointing towards something that would restore them and heal them for eternity, not something that would restore them and heal them temporarily. Because you recognize all the times that Jesus healed those people, all those people are dead. So his healing was temporary, right? He healed them temporarily to hopefully point them to something that would be longer lasting. And he's praying for them, their spiritual well-being, that they make peace with God. That they understand and recognize their creator. And that's what he's praying for. And so I, I want to encourage you to do that. And I, I, I have, this is just me, but I think it's helpful to kind of have some specific disciplined prayers. And this is what I want to encourage you to this week. To pray for three people. Okay? Three different people specifically for their spiritual health. Pray that, that God would show up in their life and that God would heal them. And that God would be close to them and they would know God's love. And that, of course, that is the foundation of starting to move towards you having an opportunity to help them in that journey. Okay? But this is the foundation, and I want you to pray for three different people. First person I want you to pray for is the person that annoys you. Okay? That's the first. That's number one. And you can think of that person. It may be me. Um, I'll take it. I'll take the prayers. Um, Pray for the person that annoys you. Pray for the person that rubs you the wrong way, that gets your blood pressure elevated, that bothers you. Pray for that person, whether it's a neighbor, family member, coworker, whatever it may be. Pray for that person because that's what Jesus told us to do, right? So think of one person that annoys you and pray for them. I'm looking forward to lots of prayers for me this week. I, I could be an irritating person. I recognize that. Um, so... Uh, pray for someone who annoys you. Number two, pray for someone who is in crisis. Okay? Someone in your life that is in crisis right now, that is searching and looking for answers and is like kind of at their wit's end. Someone in your life that right now is going through something very difficult and it's a breaking point, pivotal moment in their life where like they, they need help. Okay? So pray for one person in crisis. And I think to such a powerful story that Gordon shared with us last week. And I thank you so much for sharing that. That's something that I thought about all week long, Gordon. Where people in his life were praying for him over the course of months and months as he was recovering in the hospital. And how powerful that was. And thank, thank you for sharing that. If you didn't hear the story last week, well, don't miss last week. But go talk to Gordon. He'll, uh, he'll share the story with you. But somebody who's in crisis, somebody who is struggling, somebody that you know is dealing with something, pray for them, okay? Someone who is annoying, someone who is in crisis, and then the third person is somebody that you have influence on. And what I mean by that is someone you're close to, someone that you've built a relationship with, someone that has come into your life that you could have a positive impact on, your, on their life. 
Maybe it's maybe it is a family member that you're close to and you have years of history with that like that needs somebody to help them along. Maybe it's a close friend that you've gotten to know over the course of several years. And like you could come alongside him and say, I'm here for you and I'm praying for you. And the amazing thing is, and we'll talk about it in coming weeks, is if our heart is broken and we're praying and we're living out a life like this, opportunities will find our, their way to us. I strongly believe that God is out there seeking and trying to, trying to help all of the people in this world who are broken and lost. And he's waiting for anyone who has an open heart and an open mind to do that. And he will send them your way. Because he knows that you, you, you'll, you'll take care of that situation in the right way. Because your heart cares for others. So if you pray at the foundation of who we are, if you pray for these three people, look out. Because I, I bet you those three people in some way will start showing up in your life more and more. And there'll be an opportunity someday for you to shine a light, help them out. And do something so profound. Help people who are lost and dying find life. Let's pray. God, I pray over the coming weeks that we would be people who would shine brightly. Not in an obnoxious way, not in a way like maybe we have in our head that is a, a, a picture of people sharing their faith, but God, in a way that is compassionate and loving and open to the people that are intersecting with our lives. I pray, God, that we would take seriously this list. That this week we would set aside some disciplined time that we get away from it all and we pray for these three people. And God, it's our prayer, just like you prayed, that the world would know that you love them. That there is hope. That they're not alone. I want you to take a moment right now and just to kind of check that box for the first time this week and pray through kind of your list of three. Think about and pray for these three different people and pray that your heart would be open to where God would give you opportunity to make an impact in somebody else's life.